Hi there, House Culture listener. If you enjoy this episode or have enjoyed listening to other episodes in our series, please support and donate to us through the Acast Supporter feature. All donations will help us create the content that you love listening to. You can decide how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So it could be a one-off and every now and then or once every time you listen. It's really up to you. Click on the supporter link in the episode description and with Google or Apple Pay, it will take you less than 30 seconds to make your contribution. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Dave Jones from Cardiff, and you're listening to the House Culture Podcast. House Culture. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the House Culture Podcast, hosted by me, the Managing Editor at House Culture, Matt Rouse. Thanks so much for joining us today. As ever, we at House Culture are absolutely delighted to be able to bring a little bit of the club directly into your headphones or smart speaker or however else you might be listening to this. If this is the first time you've tuned into the podcast, first of all, welcome And second of all, please make sure you have a dig through our back catalogue of episodes, which feature interviews with the likes of Fatboy Slim, Danny Rampling, Brandon Block, Greg Wilson, Smoking Joe and many more. Even if you don't recognise the name, I guarantee you they have a fascinating story to tell. And if you've only just stumbled across house culture and want to get to know us a little better, as I always say, we are a collective of house music fans who have come together through our mutual love of the beat to celebrate the spirit of house music. Instagram is where the party happens and you can find us at housecultureNet. Follow that and you'll get a daily dose of things related to this scene we know and love. Let's get on with this next episode, shall we? In this one, we chat to a guy who has not only witnessed the birth of house music, but actively participated in it as a DJ and promoter in South Wales in the beginning and later on across the world. Having booked and played alongside some of the greats, the man is Dave Jones, and as you'll hear, his enthusiasm and affection for the scene is contagious. During this chat, you'll learn how Dave's discovery of house music set his life on a new and exciting path. I'd say that the biblical moment was when I went to um, the house end in 88. I wasn't really aware what was going on around me until I got into the environment and then took the magic potion and turned from football terrace lad to acid house disciple overnight. Who inspired his craft as a DJ? My all-time hero was Frankie Knuckles. It was a game changer for me. I saw him at the Hacienda. I was listening to the way he DJ. He'd build up to the vocal track, drop the big vocal in, and it made that big tune sound 10 times bigger than it normally is. <laughs> this is the way I want to DJ. 
some of his highlights of playing at parties during the last three decades. The icing on the cake, certainly for me in my DJ career and as any night as a promoter, was when we invited Louis Vega to play at the club. When he came on, he grabbed my right hand and put it up in the air. He said, oh, he played a brilliant set. And just what this thing called house music has brought him in his life. It's brought me joy, it's brought me pain, but the music is the driving force and house music changed my life. I'm basically a disciple to this scene and I always will be, I think. So, set your sat-nav for South Wales and prepare for a journey that takes in Manchester, London, Ibiza and New York. This is Dave Jones. House Culture Hi Dave. How are you, Matt? Good, thanks. Good to see you. Yes, Um, likewise. Thanks so much for sitting down with us on the House Culture podcast. My pleasure, my pleasure, honestly. I really enjoyed the first series. Great, good to hear. Um, You've been on the house music scene from the very beginning, being a part of the Time Flies crew, playing at parties all over the world. Yes. Um, But before we chat about that, we always ask, how did you first discover your love for music? Well, my love for music, my first introduction to music was, first memory was listening to the Beatles, through the medium of my mum and dad. My mum being a big fan of the Beatles and listening, and Hey Jude was the tune in the background. I must have been about three years of age and it resonated, uh, the harmonies, and uh, ever since then, been a fan of music. Top of the Pops in the 70s, standard Thursday nights. Sat down 7.30pm, listening to Slade, Sweet, Bowie, Roxy Music, T-Rex, and then progressed into, well, progressed into ABBA, really, with my first <laughs> love. Um, and looking back, I, I, I kind of know why and understand, because mm. of the, the harmonies and, 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 and the synth riffs, which leads into electronic music at a later date. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of disco, isn't it? Well, yeah, absolutely. Um I, I first listened to ABBA maybe about 1976. I was only 10, 11, and, you know, they caught my ear. And those, you know, the, the layering of the music, although I wasn't aware of it at the time, but it resonated and, and it stuck with me. And um, and then I think, seriously, first introduction into dance music or into serious into music was 1977 when I heard I Feel Love, Donna Summer. And it probably remains... My favourite dance track of all time. Yeah, I mean, then. we'll come on to that yeah. later. Yeah, you've put that on the, on the playlist. Oh, yes, one I of have, the tunes. Yes. It's, yeah, that Giorgio Moroder synth yeah. line. You can hear that in so many tracks well, it, it, to this it's day. Been, it's, been, it's been copied numerous occasions. Um, but, yeah, you know, the, the, the hypnotic, repetitive groove to that track still uh, you know still stands up in the clubs these days yeah Matt, yeah you know? so tell me about how you kind of first discovered he's talked about dance music like the kind of more house music kind of scene I, basically I, I was um i came from the football terraces i was a, a terrace lad bit of a herbert down Cardiff city followed the fashions uh, and, and the clobber through the early 80s the designer clobber the italian sportswear etc and uh, you know, very good friend of mine, Gareth Jones, who's one of my musical mentors, was always ahead of the game, and he put me basically onto house music with another friend of mine, John Harry's, listening to stuff like Yellow and Kraftwerk, um, predominantly, and then house music, probably about eighty-seven. 
I was aware of it through John Peel. I was listening to John. I was a massive fan of John Peel, Matt. Mm. And I, I heard some tracks which basically reminded me of Kraftwerk, but they were they were they were tracks from Chicago. I, I'd say that the pivotal biblical moment was when I went to um, the Hacienda in '88. Uh, yeah. And um, by accident, I went there with some friends who were football fans, and I wasn't really aware was what was going on around me until I got into the environment and then took the magic potion and it all became very clear from there on in. I think that's what happened in the Hacienda just generally. You know, that's the space before that explosion, it was kind of seen as a bit of a... Yeah, the Hacienda. We, 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 were, we were aware of the Hacienda basically through um, the band scene because I was a mm. big fan of like bands like the Smiths and that Northwestern... Sound New Order, Echo and the Bunny Man, Derutti Column, Factory Records. So I was aware of, of of the mystique of the place, but I went in there uh, on one of the uh, hot nights, and I think it was Picker, Mike Pickering was playing. Graham Park was there, um, John Silver, and then it kind of uh, it resonated. It re- I realised, well, this is what where I want to be. This is this is this is it. You know, I turned from football terrace lad to Acid House Disciple overnight. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what happened a lot on those on the terraces. It did. Overnight. It did. Yeah. It, it, it it certainly. Um, I think it was getting beyond for a lot of lads. It, it, it we were getting more and more into the trouble, and and it was getting more and more serious. But I think it it flipped for me that night, and I think it flipped for a lot of other lads all around the country. And they found this new scene where you could dance next to supermodels, or, or you know, it broke down all the barriers with the with 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 the gay scene. You know, people were dancing next to each other. Whereas before house music came along, I think those barriers were still were still up to a certain degree, and 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 they needed to be broken down. And you know, you can actually relate back to those days which were feel good days you know like um like the berlin wall came down in 89 and maybe it wasn't relevant to dance music but it was a real feel good era mm. uh, it was a good time to be alive absolutely and um can you, like those first f- few visits to the hacienda can you remember obviously you remember the djs can you remember what tracks you might have heard that night or those well, nights. I, 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 when my mate Mike, uh, Mike Gore from Wigan, he was a friend of mine who, who watched football, and and we used to go there, and then we used to go to Cordon Park. But at the end, I can remember hearing a, a guy called Gerald, and the, the uh, "Can He Dance" by um, Fast Eddie mm. was was the tune that um, really caught me, and I had to source that track down. So I went to Eastern Block Records on the Saturday um, and, 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 and bought the track from there. And, yeah. uh, and that, and that's where I spent my, spent most Friday nights in. We'd, I'd finish work early on a Friday, drive up to Manchester, stay in Didsbury in Manchester and go to the Hacienda and then go to Eastern block on Saturday and then go to Quadrant Park Saturday night in <laughs> Liverpool. So it was action packed time. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and Eastern Block, it's that famous record shop, isn't it, where the guys from 808 State were. That's there right, and... yes. Yeah, so I think it was um, Martin Price was yeah. the, the owner. 
uh, of, of of Eastern Bloc, and and most of Adoid State worked in there um, during that time. Yeah, did you find yourself going in there and saying? like having to sing the fast eddy track that i heard it in the hacienda yeah. I, I, and i worked in a record shop in the 90s which i'll come on to and and it was it was roles reversed you know i i went in can do you know the track that goes burp, 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 you know <laughs> the usual and, yeah. and uh, you know much to the ridicule uh, of and, and and the amusement of, of the staff in there and uh, yeah you know they kind of knew were you know they were very astute <laughs> You've got to be, haven't you? I suppose, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, they were very, they, they were very switched on in there. Yeah, they knew what was what. So you'd had your eyes open via the hacienda, and you know, and uh, that terrace football life had kind of been put to one side, or, or you know. Yeah, I think it'd been put on the back burner, not totally, but but, mm. but it's certainly um, the the adrenaline rush was coming from dance music. Now it was like w- w- I was very lucky because I had a friend who was living over in Barking, a Cardiff lad, Dave, who was living in in, in Barking at the time, so. Uh, it was like Manchester and Liverpool the one weekend and then it'd be in London raving in a field the, 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 the next and then paying visits to black market records and flying records yeah. and flying records I built up a good rapport with the, with some of the boys who went on to be me- megastar DJs yeah yeah it's where Charlie Chester Charlie and, Chester's yeah. shop yeah, yeah. In Kens- it was in the basement of Kensington Market Matt mm. and uh, it was it was it was it was the it was like the Balearic shop, you know. Yeah. We'd we'd heard of the Balearic, you know. We were getting a, it it was a bit ravey, um, the Hacienda in eighty eight eighty nine and Hip House and 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 those, and big Chicago tracks, but then I kind of stumbled across like the Balearic scene through Flying Records, mm. and um, you know I went kind of boys own. Junior Boys Own, Terry Farley, and uh, and that was oh this is where you know that was at the time oh this is this is the music I want to play yeah, you know I, yeah. I just bought a pair of twelve tens and started a little night in a place called Neath which is just outside Swansea we did a Thursday night for a couple of years down there which was successful and um, we uh, although it was just local DJs playing uh, you know we had a good, we, we had a good uh, crowd in every Thursday night. Yeah, and that was like the introduction to DJ. Yeah, as well. Yeah, and honing your skill. And um, I mean, oh, was yeah. it we so immediately came out of like the hacienda and all these other parties you've been going to and been like, right, I want a piece of that. I'm going to create my own thing. Yes, yeah. I, I, it was like we looked up at um, the likes of Picker and John De Silva, and then in London when we were seeing Farley and and Rocky and Diesel and and those boys. Oh, yeah, we want. I'd always been a, a music collector, anyway, Matt. Mm. So I was always collect. I'd been collecting, and it was a, it was a natural progression, to be honest, to to actually want to emulate. And although there was there was nights going on in Cardiff, um, three wise men were doing their night at Subways. Jason was doing his night at the venue, and I just basically wanted to, um, you know, you know, uh, be alongside these guys and and um, and and do uh, make my contribution. Yeah. To dance music in Cardiff. Yeah, and um, always went to clubs clubbing when I wasn't DJing, and I still do. You know, I, I still love going clubbing, and I still love learning and listening to DJs. You yeah, know? But, we can come on to that, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah, and um, so putting on your own nights was this just a, a way of 
one kind of sharing the love and two like getting yourself behind the decks and getting that crowd in as well well yeah I, I, we'd always I was always reading the magazine I think it was Jocks magazine which was later DJ Mag and Mix Mag and they, I, re- I think I read an interview with Terry Farley once that he said um, the only way you're going to get on is to actually do your own night it's not going to come to you and I always adhere to that philosophy. Um, you've got to go and look for it, and you've got to make it happen. But we had the, you know, we had the younger to do that. Mm. Uh, and then I was going to band, watching the bands, the Happy Mondays, and that indie dance scene, which was big. Boca Juniors in London, Primal Scream, and I always used to bump into a guy at a lot of these gigs who was Cardiff lad, who's a football lad, his name's Craig Bartlett, and we had the same kind of idea of what we wanted to do, and we said, well, right, let's do something together, and we, we took the plunge in 90, early 91, after building up a rapport with Rocky, at, uh, from Rocky and Diesel, who worked in flying, we put Rocky, Diesel, and Clive Henry, Peace Division, yeah, on in Cardiff, but... Um, didn't really work at that time because Cardiff was still very much into the, like the Belgian new beat kind of a hardcore groove ride, which was a great scene. Groove, Fab, Fabio Groove Rider, Kenny Ken, that kind of style. And we were trying to do a Balearic night and it, <laughs> it was too early for it. Yeah. I mean, when we when we spoke to Terry Farley for the podcast, he was always saying that they always kind of were a little bit just almost two years ahead of where everyone they else were. was, even and in even in London. They still yeah. are, to be honest, but they they, they were. And this we, we loved we loved in particular. I loved looking at DJ Magazine and Mix Mag to see with the flying records chart. They used to have a chart in there, mm-hmm. and I, oh, you know, it was the Bible. And, yeah. and 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 they really were the people we, we they were our go-to um, DJs at, at that time, and we thought right we can we can develop this in Cardiff. Yeah, you know we want to develop this in Cardiff. There was like I said, Richard Richard Paul, uh, and and Mark from the Three Wise Men were doing their thing, which was brilliant, and 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 um, the same with J- Jason King, he was doing the venue. But um, it was a bit later. It was on ninety one. We thought, right, okay, come on, let's let's try and make a go of it. Um, and then ninety, I think it was like end of ninety one. I got I got made an offer uh, to come and play at a night called Club Metros. Uh, a club, uh, sorry, the night was called Ecuador, and the, the the club was Club Metros. And that they they caught the zeitgeist at the moment. There was a. Sasha had played in Universe in, in South Wales, and it was a time when basically everyone who was into that kind of went to that rave as an hardcore raver came away as a house head. So Andy Walsh and Sean Oliman started a night, the Ecuador nights, and they booked the likes of John Kelly, Angel, uh, Flying Records did a party with Dean Thatcher, Scott Braithwaite, uh, it was Alistair Cook from. God rest his soul from Back to Basics. And who else was there? There was there was Ashley Beadle came down. Fabi Perez. And it was that kind of... That was that Balearic vibe. And they caught it at the right time. And that was a brilliant night. It lasted a year. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you, you know, that was, that, that was my first serious residency. Yeah. And that you say it lasted a year. What kind of came next from that? That giving you well, the passion then? Basically, um, that night was um, very popular with the cool students who were studying in Cardiff at the time. And a couple of lads, Richard Austin, who remains one of my musical mentors to this day, <laughs> a good friend of mine. 
and another lad called Phil Pitchworth used to come down to the night. And Phil was quite friendly with a guy at the Students' Union who was the um, entertainment's manager. His name was Henry Blunt. And he introduced me to Henry at the beginning of 93. Henry came down to one of the nights and he invited me up to play at Cardiff University. So I wasn't expecting anything much, really, to be honest. Okay, I'll go up. It's going to be a load of pissed up students, <laughs> you know, asking for, you know, um, shaggy and stuff like that. But <laughs> to my amazement, the club was, I'd never seen before, was a perfect, purpose-built venue, very, very much similar to the, the vibe and the structure of the Hacienda. I couldn't but I, I was blown away when I went up there, Matt. Yeah. And I said to Henry, Henry, you have got the golden egg here. You need to do something in this venue. You need he said the problem is we've we're restricted to just a student crowd. I said, Well, there's seven hundred here tonight dancing away and it's better than I expected it to be. Yeah. Come on, let's let's work together. I can get some, you know, we'll get the best of the local Cardiff DJs in. Obviously, Craig Bartlett was included. And another lad, Paul Lyons, who was one of my mentors. He helped me a lot in my early years of DJing. Let's get let's get a night going. Bring in their crowds as well, and this will be a success. And we, we uh, he agreed, reluctantly agreed at the beginning, but we managed to secure it during the summer holidays of the 1993 season where it was um, we were able to invite anyone the town crowd were allowed in as well as the students who were staying behind for the summer and the first one we had I think it was Nicky Holloway we, we had down for the first one or Lofty from Flyer and there was about three, four hundred in in a, in a 1200 1300 capacity venue okay not bad next one we had it was alex alex patterson from the orb we doubled the first it was 800 by the third event which was at the beginning of september i think it was ashley beadle um we we, we had a thousand in and then we had we were lucky enough to get paul oakenfold for the beginning of october by that event tickets were spinning outside for 50 quid a go <laughs> In know in Cardiff made a lot of money that night. <laughs> <laughs> he made a lot of money that night, and it was basically the night to go to in '93 in in Cardiff anyway. BPM came down. Dave Durrell came down and interviewed us, and uh, yeah, it was brilliant. Uh, so. Henry and another guy called Gareth Davis, who were the two entertainment uh, managers, could see this explosion in dance music in Cardiff. So with their contacts obviously being connected to the university, they managed to, in, the, in February of 94, they managed to secure a very exclusive venue called the Coal Exchange in Cardiff, which was a coal exchange in the early years of the 1900s. As, as documented, where people would be coming in to, to, to the port of Cardiff, Tiger Bay, very famous um, 
airport. They, they it was it was a building where they'd exchange all their paperwork and and where basically the trains would come down from the valleys, coal and the coal trains to go on to the ships, and we secured the coal exchange for a for a gig, mm. which was a great party. I think it was Alistair Whitehead was the first one, and then we had David Morales, and it was packed out, but. You know that that they they were good parties in there, and then uh, they managed to get hold of um, the city hall in Cardiff in about '95. Mm. The city hall is like a big banquet place where the Lord Mayor has his parties, etc. Um, and it's probably one of the oldest and most exclusive A-listed buildings in Wales. Yeah, and how the hell we managed to get that place I, you know Henry I don't know he must have the Midas touch because that the parties in there were, were legendary everyone came down it was Tony DeVitt God rest his soul again he, yeah. he was a regular there and, and um, everyone Smoking Joe everyone Phil Gifford Wobble loads yeah <laughs> yeah so incredible parties at the town hall then it like you said it was uh, that yeah, it was, yeah it, 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 they were like, it was they were they were very hedonistic parties i'll give you an example of one it was a time when the coke uh, was really taking a grip in cardiff myself included and um, and we were we were we we had basically one of the rooms on the side of the city hall which was the lord mayor's room and um <laughs> Funny story for you. One night, one of the head of security, um, Neil, was on the door outside, and we said, "Don't let anyone in because we're, you know, we're doing our bits and pieces in here." <laughs> and he said, "No worries." Well, one of the main counsellors for Cardiff came back. He'd forgotten his briefcase, and it was in the office with us. And. Neil wouldn't <laughs> let him. He said, "No, you can't let him in." <laughs> and he's like, he kept coming in. He said, "Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up!" Rack your lines up, and there's a guy. And we had BPM there as well. Yeah, they came back to do time flies, and we just had a big do that, big stripe. And and Henry came and said, "Oh, they want to interview you." And there's some footage on. There's footage of this on oh, YouTube. Oh no way. And I'm, I'm in a mess. Yeah, I well, I can't watch it now because I'm too embarrassed. But people are like, what the state? And but yeah, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll send send it to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll send it to you. Yeah, I mean, thank goodness that stuff back then, like footage and things like that, it's a lot rarer oh, no, to come yeah, across it was like, it was than these days. Stuff, you yeah. know, it was like we, we you know, the, like the the ecstasy market was dwindling really because of the stand, you know, and unfortunately, you know, the Leah Betts story mm. at, at surface, and you know that, you know that, so you know we don't want anyone losing their, their lives through through dance music you know going out and having a good time and 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 it was it was um that mid 90s and it was it was it was party time you know yeah. i think every everywhere really to be yeah. honest with and it was honeymoon period for us with with that stuff and we kind of t- took our eye off the ball a little bit because we were keen in that stuff and 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 um you know we had to st- calm it down <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean you mentioned like a load of big names there that had come over and played so even someone like david morales obviously american yeah. dj were you having to like fly them over and put them up and give them the the full red carpet how did that kind of well, work well that's a good link to be honest because craig and myself were getting craig was running a record shop called Wush records in cardiff and he asked me to go and work there with him 
which was it was great you know it was 94 95 96 i worked in there and we were really you know we were getting all the tracks and all the imports were coming in and we were really getting into this american sound like tribal uk tribal us label uh, emotive late record strictly rhythm and we were really getting into that american sound and um danny tanaglia etc tony Humphreys, knuckles i'm on the quiet we wanted to do our own night predominantly um, with the american boys you know and yeah it's, it's an expensive game yeah you know they, they 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 were double the price of the uk djs the same as the italian djs you know they were they were expensive and there's a bit that big there was a massive scene in rimini and italy in the 90s cocoluto ralph and all those boys and they were, you know, they, you, you were looking, the only people that could really afford to put them on were, were Cream. And Hard Times were, 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 were the night Craig and myself were really looking at as, which were taken over really from like the boys' own kind of thing, because they were kind of winding them down a bit by then. And they were more into the production, Junior Boys' own label and just tracks. They were more into into pushing the music rather than the night. So we were we were looking to like hard times and back the basics in Leeds with the two nights. We really, oh, we'd love to do our own night, yeah, you know. Yeah. And in night as well, alongside Time Flies in Cardiff, we secured a residency, a weekly residency in Swansea uh, at a club called the Escape. And through our connections with the football in the eighties. It, on paper, it wasn't a wise move to take a to say yes to a residency down there because, you know, we were we were well known at, down there and and we weren't popular. But luckily, their head of security was one of their old fellas from the eighties, and he's and we had a chat with him, and he said, "Listen, everything'll be cool. Give it a go. You know, they won't come in yeah and you'll be safe so we were like okay yeah no worries we'll do it and it was brilliant escape in swansea was a great night we played the second room mm. which was the main room was uh, big al and and um, danny slade and there was more trance-based uh up tempo 130 bpm stuff but we we had artistic license and we had a chance to book who we wanted for that room and we had the likes of Victor Simonelli over and um, you know Mike Dern and Benji Candelaro they all came to play in in the back room of the Escape and um, and we built the we built that room up from 30 40 people who just come in for a nose and it was a 500 capacity room and within 12 weeks we, we we had the place rammed yeah so we found our sound we'd found our sound which was that american deep american groove with uh, you know splashings of nice vocal tracks yeah which were in abundance in the mid 90s yeah. you know yeah so, and, and obviously with working in the record shop we were getting the pick of the litter <laughs> so we're getting all the promos so we were we, 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 we were breaking tunes we had a weekly residence there we were still working with time flies but we were starting to get busy then and we had the uh, we had a little bit of a license to in, uh, invite residents and we thought well right let's let's try and get a bit of a cartel going between residents of other clubs and let's all swap with each other play and start getting out and playing playing out 
So we, we had connections in Bournemouth with Bump and Hustle uh, and, uh, you know, uh, um, Birmingham with Wobble Boys and, you know, Garage City in London with Bobby and Steve. So we started getting our name about as well by about 95, 96 within that the parameters of like the American house scene. Yeah. And uh, the slamming boys up in Manchester. All these clubs were booking the big name American DJs, but we, we because we were working for the Escape and we were working for Time Flies, they were they wouldn't entertain getting knuckles and paying him ex stupid silly money. Yeah. They yeah. wouldn't do it. Yeah. They'd rather put their resources into um, Paul Oakenfold, which is great, you know, and 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 people like Norman Cook. Who, who was starting to make a make his name through the fat his fat fat boy Slim alias and um, so we, we although we, we we had one up our back really to be honest Matt yeah at that time yeah so desperate to do our own outward. we thought right okay now we want to take this room two scenario in South Wales to a room one scenario you know yeah and what was that next step. Next step was starting our own night in 1998. The night was called L'America, or is still called L'America, although I'm, I'm not personally involved in it anymore. That started on July the 4th, 1998, with guests Paul Trouble Anderson and CJ McIntosh at a club called The Emporium in Cardiff. First one, we had 600 in, which was great. We were over the moon. Second one, we had Hippie Tularales. We dipped on the second one. We only had about 400 in. And we were a little bit despondent. But Tim Corrigan, who was the manager of the club, who remains one of the best managers I've ever worked with, because it was very difficult when you're working with managers who didn't have the same foresight as, as what we wanted to achieve. He, he knew what we wanted, and he was very supportive, and he knew we'd get there with it. And we had a few wobbly nights where we thought, oh, are we going to carry on with it? But we stuck with it. And, you know, we had Graham Park in 98, 99, Jazzy M. And then we managed to get Roger Sanchez on a Thursday night. Incredible. With the backing of the club. Mm. We said, listen, you know, it was Easter Thursday with the backing of the club. They, they were very supportive. Listen, if it, if we if we lose a few quid, we'll, you know, we'll help you out. We managed to break even. So we were over the moon. Yeah. Over the moon. So that the night was starting to um, really take hold in Cardiff. We mm. were getting good numbers in Kenny Carp. That we had Kenny Carp that came over, and he was absolutely that that night was brilliant. Basement Boys came to play, and they were they, they, they it was really going well. And then the icing on the cake, certainly for me in my DJ career, and as any night as a promoter, was when we invited Louis Vega to play at the club. Yeah, on. July the 6th, 2001. And it was a very emotional night for me because Craig was busy around the club. He's running around the club. He was ramming the clubs. We normally play back-to-back, Craig and myself, but he said, oh, you carry on a bit and I'll sort sort the door out because we were more we were hands-on with the night as far as taking money on the door. When one was playing, the other would be taking money on the door keeping, and, and vice versa. We had a great neck. We had some great residents, Garth Hopkins, Neil Young. Darren Stewart, um, and and they, they you know they, they they warm up and then I I went on about eleven thirty and he wasn't due to play until one thirty but he turned up early so I <laughs> I was playing and Louis Vega was sat behind me <laughs> and he was due to go on at one thirty and 
it was 10 to 2 and I was like oh do you want to go on now do you want to go on now was, no I might be listening to you so when, wow. he, when he when he came on he got grabbed my right hand and put it up, up in the air and he said oh he played a brilliant set and I was so overcome by emotion Matt I, I we had an office upstairs which was a bit of a den in it, of inequity every other time you know every every time he did a party but I went up there and I was over, I was I was actually overcome at that moment and I, I wept. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Why not? It was it was like my scoring a goal in a cup final. Yeah, moment. yeah. I mean, can you remember what what you were playing around that time? I, I was still playing warm ups. I was playing yeah. dubs and I was warming up and I didn't want to. I didn't want to go in with any of the biggies and I was still. I was like turning tracks over. I was like paying bonus beats in the end. Because he knew, he knew what I was doing, yeah. and I was dying to go in with a big one, but the floor was there because it was the club was so ramped, you know. The yeah. club, the floor was there, so could, which was perfect because the stuff I love. I used to love warming up because it was all the stuff I loved playing. Mm-hmm. I loved playing at the beginning of the night and seeing the crowd come in and getting remains to this day. I think the most important set of the night absolutely yeah i mean i read there was a great uh, blog piece by um ralph lawson ralph lawson yeah yeah he did an amazing like blog piece write-up the other day it's on facebook oh, on his it? page oh. all about the importance of a resident and a warm-up dj and about oh. the and job that they do can't do it they, yeah they, as a friend of mine mike mike from wigan said to me once he said he, he, this guy on before you he's like he's not he's not a warm-up he's a heat wave <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I've stuck yeah. with me ever since. Yeah, like, you don't I'm, want to walk into a club and no. just be like bludgeoned straight away, and there be an empty dance floor. You want to get well, into the groove, in. yeah. And, and, and in the warmer DJs, I always, I think, I think when I go into the Ascenda regular and listen to probably one of the probably the best resident warmer I've heard, Tom Wainwright, who who'd, the levels would be half, you know, the, in the greens, yeah, and then he'd take it up into the yellows. Never, obviously, never in the reds, but it'd be just at the start of the yellows, uh, give, giving the main DJ yeah. to come on, put, push the sound up, and yeah. then off we go. And and we were good at warming up because we did a lot. We did a lot of warming up over the years, so we we, we, we mastered that art. Yeah. I'd like to think Craig and myself. And uh, but yeah, it's just I, I still I still play my, my sets now are like warm up sets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. I still enjoy those moments of getting to a club that little bit earlier and it's still being quite half empty yeah. and just kind of just setting yourself up for the night yeah. and that like you know easing yourself in and having the music kind of bring you bring you onto it rather yeah. than just walking quite late and it's already banging you Absolutely. just gotta go from well, I, a standing I, start to a sprint i hated those what i still when we, we were on the circuit, we played at some good clubs. We were at the ministry, we are at regular, but I hate going in there about past two in the morning to go on. You know, we'd be in the hotel room and then going over there. And it, I, I still had a lot of stage fright. You know, it was like hey, the club was going off. And I, I and we did it once. We got, got the, the club for about two o'clock and I said, not doing this again. I want to come here when the, the club opens. And, and build up with the atmosphere of the club and we did that every time then yeah. when we were guesting we'd be at the club we were one of the first in we were there before the, the warm up <laughs> and I'm like oh you're not on for another four hours yeah but we want to we want to want to get feel the vibe of the yeah. club and yeah. see where we're going to go and yeah. mainly listen to what you're playing so we, we don't <laughs> play the same bloody tune yeah. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I mean, you say, you know, in terms of warm-up, um, you know, you and all of the big names that you were bringing over to the parties, um, and yes. you mentioned Louis Vega, was, and, you know, and that was... Sometimes it could be a case of like never meet your heroes. Was there any kind of diva-like behaviour that you've ever had oh, with anyone? I, 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 I'm, I, I'm reluctant to mention. There's a few people. I, 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 there's, a, there's a German DJ played on my birthday at one of the clubs in Cardiff. I nearly came to blows with him because <laughs> the, he was moaning about one of the styluses which I replaced, and then I, I put it to him gently in his in his right ear that you haven't been paid yet. So if you carry on like that, and he was very nice to me after that. <laughs> but no, I, most of them, and Lena, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you when we talk about the, the podcast later, mm. all of them, you know, most of them are very, very nice people, you know, and they're, you know, they, they, you know, they, they, you know, they're good guys and good ladies, you know. Yeah, yeah. And when were you ever most starstruck? Was it, was it Louis Vega? No, it wasn't. Louis Vega, I was obviously starstruck, but um, my all-time hero was Frankie Knuckles. And um, f- it was a game changer for me. I saw him at the Hacienda, I think it was 10th birthday party in 92. And the way he moved, he, the, the way I was listening to the way he DJed, and that was after that night, I thought, that's the way I want to DJ. He's playing, he played two or three dubs, and then he'd drop a look. He'd build up to the vocal track. He'd build up with these lovely dubs, drop the big vocal in, and it made that big tune sound Oh, just t- t- ten times bigger than it normally is. Oh, this is the way. This is the way I want a DJ. And the, 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 the groove, and he'd bring it up, and he'd bring it down. Obviously, he was working. He knew, you know, the guy was a DJ twenty. It was ninety two, so he'd been DJing for twenty years then. Yeah, yeah. So he, he he knew he knew how to work a crowd. The, the, all the levels, he, he adjusted all the levels of the sound, and it was perfect. You know, so. You know, he was obviously schooled by Larry Levan, mm. and and so we 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 had the Emporium, but we had an opportunity when I was going back to the Little America parties of actually putting America on in a club called Liquid, which is one of like uh, corporate-based clubs, but it was a bigger capacity. 
Um, we had an opportunity to do Bank Holiday Sundays. There was an opening in Cardiff Bank Holiday Sundays around about 2002. So we took the plunge. We gave this opportunity to put the likes of Murillo, Tony Humphreys on and, you know, take it to a wider audience because it was, you know, it was got to the stage where, but basically the Emporium legally was at about 400 capacity, league capacity, but we had a thousand in there. <laughs> and then and the floor on the, on the Louis Vega night mm-hmm. was like, oh my God, you know, yes. we had to have a thousand in there to cover the costs. Yeah. We didn't make a penny out of that night. You know, but we were running as a business. We were professional then, so we wanted to take it to a bigger audience. Which I think, but me personally, I thought it was to the detriment of the night because you opened the floodgates and there was people in there you didn't really want. We had our regular crowd and they started moaning a little bit because the size of the club. But but it did give us the opportunity to put the likes of Rillo, Kenny Dope, etc. on. Mm. But we had Frankie Knuckles. And Frankie Knuckles was probably and still well one of the nicest DJs you'll ever meet. He, I spent an hour with him after the gig at the hotel when I dropped him off, chatting, and and he'd answer every question. I was like, listen, I need to know the, <laughs> I need, you know, what was it like? In, you know, what was it like in yeah. in, in the continental bars and yeah, and 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 you know, in par- you know, paradise garage and. and and he, he he took time out. He could see I was enthused, and he loved it. You know, he was enthused, and I was, you know, I was like so interested. Yeah. And he's a great loss to um, the, the scene in in general. Yeah, it I, was I, such a sad day when yeah. he passed away. Uh, it was even on the BBC ten o'clock news as an as an well, item. That's a testament. Yeah. Of how big he is, and it's one of my ambitions to go to Chicago, Matt. Uh, when they have Frankie Knuckles Day and and celebrate his life, yeah, it's, it's on my bucket list. You know, yeah. I'm not going to go on about bucket list, but <laughs> this is certainly on. It's certainly something I, I I need to do because I did go to a lot of the clubs in New York in the early '90s to see Vasquez and in Sound Factory. I went to Sound Factory Bar to see Knuckles and Tony Humphries and Tunnel to see Tanaglia. So when I wasn't DJ, it was I, I was going all over. T- you know, immersed in the scene. I st- still am. Travelling the world, taking it all in. Me yes, yeah, we, we had some good gigs abroad as well as as taking all, all the clubs we wanted to visit. We played in Russia three times. What first, was that like? <laughs> first time we went, we were silly boys because we went on a Thursday night, played on the Thursday night. We had a, we had a, we had a, a, a fr- the Friday was supposed to be uh, our, our touring day. So we go and see the sites, you know, it was, never had the opportunity to go to Moscow so we went to go and see Red Square but all I saw on that Friday was the toilet seat because I was throwing up we, we came the black vodka Ooh. Craig and myself on the, on the Thursday night he ended up throwing up in the taxi giving all his wages to the taxi driver oh, to no. clean up yeah and the pair of us were so we had uh, we had acute alcohol poisoning mm. and we had to travel back on the Saturday so that was that <laughs> Luckily, we got rebooked and we went over and did the sites the second time. Around. But yeah, we did. You know, we did some good gigs. You know, we did the Miami Music Winter Music Conference in '99. That was great. Yeah. And we we, we did a, a load of gigs for Ministry of Sound at Pasha and uh, on the Friday night, and then Space Terrace on the Saturday morning. So in '99, right the way through to 2004. Incredible. We were regular over there. Thankfully, through. Uh, 
Gareth Cook. Awesome. And have you been out to Ibiza recently? I hadn't been. I, I stopped going after 2003. I'd give it, I, you know, the life, you know, it was just burning me out. The lifestyle was burning me out. So I went, I got invited to a wedding, my mate's wedding. Mike's from, Mike again from Wigan. Mike Gore and his uh, lovely wife, Kerry. They invited us to their wedding, which was in in, in Ibiza. Remains the best wedding I've ever been to. Myself, <laughs> mine included. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, I got the bug again. Mm. And uh, my good friend Anton Potterton, he, he was celebrating his 50th birthday the year after. So we went back out um, to do a few of the clubs. And yeah, we, we fell up off the Clockwork Orange party at the beach. And mm. oh, I, thought, I thought it was both back, transported back in the, in, in, to 1989. <laughs> Again, it was off the wall. I, I think there seems to be uh, this whole generation of people that have been in amongst the scene from the beginning. Mm. And they've all... All, all of us have had like a little bit of time off or had kids or whatever they've grown up and then it's suddenly okay and then you get that something happens like you get the bug again you find yourself in Ibiza or you go you hear a track or something and be like actually oh absolutely I I, I had a bit I, I got into some I got myself in a mess in a, uh, about four or five years into America uh, personally I had a few personal tragedies and um, lost my brother um, through cancer, God rest his soul, Bryn. And I, I got into coke in a big way, and I, I lost my first marriage, and then subsequently I lost my second marriage. I got married again straight away, and then we got divorced straight away, basically. And then, um, so I needed some time away from the scene. Yeah. And a good friend of mine, who sadly no longer with us, John John Harris, he wasn't into dance music, but he was in. He was one of my men- music mentors along with Gareth Jones uh, uh, and, and he got me into like stuff like um, music soundtracks Eddie Morricone mm-hmm. and 60s library music and I was listening to all kinds of weird stuff but nothing to do with dance music he'd gone a bit EDM and, I, and a lot of the DJs from my era were basically flipped overnight again so they were, everyone was out of touch you know yeah and out of favour, so like we were like Shuadi Wadi in Butlins, you know, that type of kind of yeah. DJ. So yeah. it was, I had a sabbatical, but then when you go back and I, I, that clockwork orange afternoon, that was I, that was a game changer for me. It was like, oh my God, I, I absolutely still love this scene. But I was still listening to this new stuff. So I, I like some of the new disco stuff, the compilation. I was buying the compilation, I wasn't buying any vinyl. And then I heard a Maceo Plex essential mix and i know maceo goes on one a bit with a he's a little bit hard sometimes but i love when he makes his house stuff that real dirty gritty twisted house you know 118 bpm and i thought oh my god this is brilliant so it opened up a lot of doors and i was listening to dusky and some of the new boys and the new producers and i was like oh yeah getting up you know really loving this and and basically got invited down to do uh, a radio show called Digital uh, Digital Exposure and co-present that with Martin Dibble. He did a couple of mixes for him and I thought, oh, do you know what? I'm gonna, I, I got, you know, I think I still got something to offer. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. 
managed to get a gig with Clockwork Orange at Printworks through Andy, um, Andy Manston, got mm -hmm. friendly with Andy and, in Ibiza, and he said, dropped him a, dropped him a, a mix over, and he, he liked it, so played for them a couple of times, Clockstock, and yeah, you know, they, they caught the zeitgeist of the over 50s clubbers. Yeah. It's and brilliant, you know, and good luck to them, you know, they're doing a brilliant job. Yeah, I mean, and I think and a lot of people are coming yeah. back out again. They are in Cardiff. Yeah. Time flies, is buzzing again. Yeah. You know, and it's kids the, have grown up. Mortgages are getting paid off, so they're like, oh, "It's my time again." Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's that, and the brands from their youth are still out there, and they know it's about knowing what you're gonna what you're gonna hear. It's that trust, isn't it? You'd know that oh, you go absolutely. to a Clockwork Orange or a Time Flies event if you went to those way back when. Yes, you can go to one, and you'll know that you're gonna have a great time as you did before. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, and it, the people, the DJs make the party, but the people do as well. And the, the, their crowd are particularly friendly crowd. They're very nice, you know, uh, mostly East and South London crowd. But they, 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 it's a real energy to their parties. And that was what caught me, particularly more than the music, because I'm like, more into the American sound. They, you know, they play more of the up-tempo stuff. But the crowd was so friendly. and But... You know, the, the Sunday afternoons at the beach party, you know, they, they were brilliant because they'd be playing all the old 80s stuff. So I was, yeah. I, I was happy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how did you find uh, when you came back to it? Uh, we're talking just before we turn the mics on about the technology aspect of it from mm. the vinyl to well, the I digital. Well, I was still, I was still, you know, that, that, those years <laughs> that I'd, I'd, I'd taken out... Uh, as a as a sabbatical, I um, you know technology moved on tenfold, and mm. I came back and it was pioneer controllers, and I was like, "Well, I still I'm still playing vinyl, yeah, you know," and they're like, "Well, now you're a dinosaur, now, mate." But I know now it's going round again because a lot of the cooler DJs are playing vinyl again. Yeah, well, Sven Vath has always played vinyl. Yeah. Stuff's being released been. on vinyl only as well. It's like yeah. if you want to buy that, you've got to but buy yeah, it on vinyl. But yeah, well, Leeds, you know, a um, good friend of mine, Sean McCabe, who runs Good Vibrations Records in Bristol, he, he's saying that uh, we've been making, trying to make some music last year and this year together, and, and he's saying that the vinyl's starting to come back again, you know? But, yeah. but, but fantastic the technology's moved on it's a lot cheaper buying stuff online you know um click of a button it's very simple you know but not jumping ahead too much but i thought right i'm gonna you know start the podcast i need to get up to speed yeah yeah i you know i can't you know i can't, I can't get away with it anymore you know i can still you can only buy 10 percent of the new releases on vinyl and it's very expensive now vinyl but you know i still keep my hand in and still buy vinyl and it's very important that the record shop still exists love vinyl is still doing a great job over there with you know with zaf and dave dave jarvis and that and um yeah you know it's it's still important that it's the vinyl is still recognized and i i, I honestly think and i say this to a lot of the younger djs you need to you need to learn to mix on vinyl before you go to a controller or start with a controller but certainly go and mix on vinyl and don't press a sync button no you can't no. get away with it that yeah. way you know I, I do I, I do like 
playing on CDJs, yes. sometimes they are like direct, but there's no kind of finesse on that. I don't no. think that, you know, I prefer vinyl I, I having to stroke v- that and yeah. knowing how much pressure to put on the platter or whatever oh, to slow it down. Matt, absolutely, Matt. You, you know, as a DJ yourself, it, it's, I used to love it. It was a day out going to the record shop, yeah. coming up yeah. here, be a day out. I get a train up from Cardiff and go to flying and go to Black Market and go to Quaff, Roy the Roach and... And, and it was like coming out on a train and be, I'd be, you'd be studying the vinyl, the, the executive producer, you know, the nerd I am. <laughs> with, with, and I'd be like, oh, I think he's done a mix of dub on the beat, you know. And, and you kind of lose that a little bit with, with um, Beatport and Thraxos and all those, all those guys. But it's a cheap way of getting, and it, it's kind of safeguarding the scene for the youngsters who, who can't, haven't got that disposable income to mm. go out and buy vinyl. You know, it, it, you can buy, t- like the other day I bought 20 tracks for 25 quid. I was like, you know, that, wow. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't do, do that back then or even now, yeah. Yeah, no, so, but, uh, yeah, you know, but the, 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 you know, the scene is vibrant again for me. I think the, the new production is absolutely wonderful. Some of the new producers out there, which inspired me, what, it was the one thing I I always wanted to produce, and I took the promotion promoter side of it rather than. The, and I wish I had now. I wish I'd gone the other way and produced, mm. because you had all the ideas from all these resources of other styles of music. So we've got like last year I had the opportunity. Sean said, he, "I want. Oh, would you fancy doing some house stuff?" He said, "Well, a lot of stuff I'm doing soulful house." He said, "Yeah, okay. You know, we'll uh, you know we'll, we'll make some. We'll make we'll we'll start on a few tracks. We've nearly finished a few tracks." Which I'll get over to you when they're done, Matt. Yeah, and, uh, and that's an EP coming out this year. EP, yeah, we're gonna yeah. We're, we're looking to do an EP every year because of time restrictions with with Sean especially. Yeah. You know, he you know he, his label Good Vibrations. There, you got Louis Vegas, Spen, Joe Vaughan, Black Beatnik. So they all uh, move to swing. They all do remixes for him, and he's he's very high up in the the, the Soulful House uh, league of producers yeah. but he wanted to do something a little bit out of his ballpark and make some more house stuff so yeah, like you know it's, it's like very deep house yeah. style we've done we've we started we nearly finished two out of the three tracks so awesome look forward Hopefully to hearing you see it. the fruits of our labour in the next few months man. great yeah no look forward to hearing that and um, you mentioned your podcast as well yes, that you've launched yeah, do you yeah. want to tell us a bit about that January the 3rd I launched uh, my new two-hour weekly podcast called Space Lab. Uh, the name came from a track from Kraftwerk from their Man Machine album, as I'm a massive fan of Kraftwerk. And I thought, well, right, okay. You're one of the people who gave me the inspiration to do it, actually, <laughs> Matt. And I mean, I mean now, I'm not just saying it. I'm not just... Smoke, smoke I'm honoured to hear that. Thank you. Uh, of people who are so enthusiastic about this scene, like yourself... I thought I got something to offer, and I thought, well, right, okay. I approached some of the local community rec- uh, uh, radio stations, but you had one arm up your back with them, and the, you, you were restricted what you could do with the show. And so I thought, well, I'll get this out. I could do this myself. So, but um, I got a little bit of advice off a few people, and uh, bought a controller, and I, I, I set it up at home, and I, I, I do it from home. And um, I thought, right, I'm going to approach. I want to push the scene in South Wales, basically, first and foremost. New producers, DJs who, who, who deservedly, from back in the day, 
still need to be heard mm. uh, mostly to push the South Wales dance music scene because everything seems to stop at the Seven Bridge with Bristol obviously Bristol being one of the epicenters of, of music in general but right come on let's, how can we do this so I thought right a separate podcast two hour weekly show we cover six decades of uh, dance dance music across all genres predominantly house but we, we, we go back in time to the early we're going right back to 1970 with the music we're, we're supplying and um, I, I, I approach a lot of the big names from from well not just from the 90s Monday producers as well young young lads and 95% of them come back and said yeah yeah go on and they've supplied mixes and it's yeah really really excited we launched on the 3rd of Jan with with uh, Rocky Mm -hmm. from uh, Express 2 Rocky and Diesel we got Diesel's going to do a mix for us in a late stage but we got you know we got some big 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 names coming up over the next couple of months as well as the best of the local talent so just want to get it out to as many people and and hope it resonates with them and you know we've had some great feedback yeah all good at the moment mate really really happy and really uh buoyant and um and got that hunger back yeah. <laughs> and that's on soundcloud you can listen to that it's on that soundcloud idea. yeah space lab go to space lab dj on soundcloud or you can find you can find it via my dj page on facebook dj dave jones cardiff cool perfect i mean we've literally just hit the hour mark on here oh, yeah. so that's all good um uh, what we usually do try and try, wrap it up we always ask for the five tracks um, for our got, playlist have you got them written down I've gone written down <laughs> there was <laughs> lots there was lots of back and forth on this can I, can I change my there choices was, yeah, 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 yeah. don't worry we, we, yes it was I, 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 yeah very very difficult to uh, narrow them down yeah I appreciate <laughs> it's always difficult to yeah. nail it down and yeah it's, it's just um, for, um, for a, a recommendation for our listeners but, yeah um, brilliant yeah, yeah you know all, all great solid choices um, thank you thank you I always start off with that catalyst you've already mentioned it actually as well can yeah. you just give us your kind of background experience with that track well, more, it, more than what you've already it was, mentioned it was Fast Eddie Can You Dance um, with Kenny Jam and Jason uh, came out in 1986 I actually bought it it was one of the first uh, house music tracks I bought and it was probably the first track that resonated with me at uh, at the Hacienda. And, uh, you know, I was probably coming through on a pill, probably. <laughs> 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 but no, it was... It, it, uh, I've always, always loved the track. I've always played it out as much as I can. Yeah, and yeah. it's always going to be there. It's my, it's my little moment of uh, my introduction to this wonderful scene. Yeah, I do love that track. Um, uh, what's the floor filler for you? Todd Terry, you know, any Todd Terry track, but Royal House Can You Party is just same year. I think it was 88, 89, yeah. And just instant, straight yeah. away, pig time stuff, but always hits the mark every time. Anything with a siren on it, I think. Uh, is yeah, it? yeah. I love my sirens. I love, <laughs> I love that. Love that in the early, like early New York style. Mm. You know, Denton Aglia and the sirens and Murillo and all them. You know, like Sound Factory style. You know? Yeah, it feels real, pr- yeah, yeah. real cut and paste as well. Just like yeah, thrown into yeah, the mixer. Real, real dirty, gritty, twisted house music. Yeah. Um, and what's the Sunsetter? The Sunsetter is. Um, well, it, it's not a house track. It's a track by a band from Liverpool called the Corgis. 
track is called everywhere everybody's got to learn sometime uh, it's just a beautiful beautiful track it's something that is is very close to my heart um i've always loved that track i've always loved that liverpool scene uh and basically the korg korg synth sound and they they demonstrated on this track perfectly yeah. um and I, it's it, it, it if i ever had the opportunity to do a sunset set in in, in in on the white dial that would be my go-to track but yeah it's it's been it's been sampled yeah. a, a lot but it, the, the the original is just you know the, the those layered scents uh, are, are just so warm and beautiful lovely yeah. lovely yeah. lovely track and what have you chosen for your tearjerker my tearjerker is another non-house track it's by a band called this mortal coil the track is called song to the siren that's been sampled a lot yeah. as well but it's got the vocals of one of my favorite female singers liz fraser she was in a band called the cocktail twins in the 80s and they did uh, 4ad was the label and in 84 they they uh, recruited a few of um their their basically their label people from different bands to make up the band this mortal coil and this has got very personal um you know it's my tear jerkers i don't want to be morbid but it was a song that came on the radio when my mother passed away but mm. it's always been one of my favorite it's a beautiful beautiful song yeah it'll always be it's one of my it's one of my <laughs> funeral tunes as well it's a <laughs> it's a perfect three three minutes 40 seconds yeah it's such a and beautiful voice oh the, the vocal performance on on i think it was i think it was tim tim or jeff buckley was the original which is absolutely wonderful um track as well i think it's jeff buckley uh but they did liz this fraser did an absolutely perfect job on that track mm -hmm. and what's um what's your everyone's calling for one more at the end of the night what do you play there, there, there's there's one tune i heard first at the age of 12 matt and it is probably still my favorite tune of any genre and it's donna summer i feel love but in 1982 patrick cowley got his hands on it and he did a 16 minute version of this track which takes you on on a journey now it did piss a few doormen off who wanted to call time on the night <laughs> I did. I said, "Well, you let me play one more," but I didn't tell it was going to be sixteen minutes, mate. <laughs> Which no, I nearly got my head kicked in a few times for that. But yeah, but Donna Summer, I feel love. There's nothing else to be said. That it is a tune that'll never date, in my opinion, mm. Matt. It will always be there, and it will fill any dance floor. Yeah, and that sixteen-minute mix. I mean, how can a track be sixteen minutes? But like you said, it does take you on that journey. Oh, it it ebbs and it flows. And, ebbs and flows, yeah. and it just goes in and out, and it's just. I, I, when I have a bad day in work, I stick the 16-minute version of Donna Summer's I Feel Love on on the way home. By the time I got home, everything's good. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um, our final question we always ask is, um, you know, you're, part, you're very much part of the fabric of the house music culture. Um, what does this scene mean to you personally and what has it brought you in your life? It's brought me joy, it's brought me pain. You know, the, the the good times were the best. The bad times were the worst. You know, um, the good times play into all these pe people, beautiful people, lovely people within the scene. But the music is 
the driving force and house music changed my life and it I, I'm basically a disciple to this scene and I always will be I think and I you know hopefully I'll pass it down my daughter loves house music hopefully my grandchildren will love house music <laughs> but they won't have a they won't have a choice <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant! It's to bring on that next generation. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And and and, but you know, I'm a bit of a cynic, an old, you know, grumpy old man. On times, you know, I'm a little bit critical of like the EDM scene. But the one positive thing that comes out of that scene is it introduces dance music to all these young kids. Mm. And as long as the scene keeps evolving, it will. It will. I got every confidence I was a little bit oh is it going to die out but I don't think it will no. it will reinvent itself time and time again Matt yeah and I think that's the perfect place to finish on I think thank you very much Matt much you, appreciated thanks for you're completely welcome it's been a pleasure thanks so much House Culture I hope you enjoyed that one guys he's done it all hasn't he put on huge parties, played across the world, and even worked in a record shop that was featured in Human Traffic. Thanks so much to Dave for that one. A genuine pleasure to meet someone who shares as much passion for the scene as us at House Culture. Now you heard Dave mention his own podcast called Space Lab. And since we recorded this interview, he's also launched another more down-tempo offering called Balearic Sundays. You can listen to both of these on their SoundCloud page by searching Space Lab DJ. I can't recommend them highly enough. You also heard Dave talk about his forthcoming EP. Obviously lockdown and Covid have delayed things a little here, but he's hoping to still get it released before the end of this year. So watch the space, I'm sure it'll be worth the wait. And if you want to prep yourself for that with some more sick beats, you can find all of the tracks we enthused about on our Spotify playlist. Just open up your player and search for House Culture, Perfect Playlist, and you'll be presented with a plethora of tunes that feature sounds from every corner of this thing we call house all chosen by our podcast guests past and present once you've followed the perfect playlist on spotify please support this podcast by loving liking tweeting sharing and by leaving us a rating or review on apple this is really important and will help us continue to create these episodes that we hope you love listening to we could also get you a shout out on a future one as well this time the lucky shout out goes to dermot duffy who got in touch on instagram to tell us how much he was looking forward to listening to our interview with danny rampling well, Dermot, I hope you enjoyed it and are continuing your journey through the other legends in our back catalogue. Any more comments could be made by hitting up our Instagram feed at HouseCultureNet or following the hashtag TrueHouseCulture. This way you'll be kept informed of all the parties that are currently happening all over the world. And finally, if you want to reach out to me, Matt Rouse, you can do it directly on Instagram at DJ Matt Rouse. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and see you next time. culture. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah.